This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. I'm with G.K. Chesterton, who said this, All of Christianity rests upon a kind of sacred jest, a sacred joke. What did he mean? Well, a joke occurs at the juxtaposition of incongruous elements. How about that for a philosophical description of a joke? But I think it's true. We laugh when incongruous elements come together. So the sophisticate with his top hat and tuxedo slipping on a banana peel, we find that funny because it's incongruous. Or they joke about the French find Jerry Lewis so funny, and they do. Well, a grown man acting like a child, that's funny, it's strange and incongruous. Chesterton appreciated this. And he said, you know, at the heart of Christianity is something very much like that. For Christians claim that God became human. Divinity and humanity met. So that we can say Jesus Christ is God and is man. Well, that's a sacred jest. That's a joke. It's incongruous. Two things that we'd never associate now come together. And Chesterton says delightfully, I think, for the past 2,000 years, all we've been doing is laughing at that joke. Why do we come together to worship Sunday in and Sunday out, day in and day out? Because if a joke is really good, we love hearing it over and over again. We never tire of it. The best joke of them all is the incarnation, God becoming human. Now, I think of this because of our feast day today. As the liturgical year comes to a close, the church celebrates the feast of Christ the King. Christ the King. Kings, powerful, majestic, splendid, probably Lord of armies, and then Christ, crucified, abandoned, condemned by society and by church, betrayed by his closest friends. Imagine that Christ now hanging on his cross, and we say, there is the king. Well, it's a joke. It's a juxtaposition of completely incongruous elements. Power and weakness majesty and degradation. The earliest depiction we know of the cross is terrific. It's found in a, what they think was a training center for gladiators in Rome, probably for young people. And it's a little bit of graffiti. It's on the wall. And it shows a crucified figure with the head of an ass. And then there's a little figure kneeling at his feet. And it says, the Christian worships his God. Now, I love that because obviously it was meant to make fun of Christians. Probably some poor kid in the, in the school was a Christian, and his friends are making fun of him. But it gets right to it. That is the strangeness 
the incongruity of Christianity. The Christian worships his God. And what is he but a crucified criminal? That's the joke that I want to explore with you a little bit. Listen to it, by the way, in the gospel itself. The gospel gives us Luke's account of the crucifixion. It says, The rulers sneered at Jesus and said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he's the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. Those wonderful and terrible words, sneered and jeered. Well, they're finding it a joke. The king of the Jews, hero of the people, and look at him now. He saved others, he can't save himself. And of course, over his head hangs the sign, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Let everyone enjoy the joke. Well, how do we make sense of this outrageous Christian claim that this crucified criminal is the king? I want to take you back to the book of Genesis. God creates Adam and Eve and gives them practically free reign over the garden. Eat of the fruit of all the trees, except one. Name all the animals. You have a kind of stewardship, a dominion over the earth. The glory of God, as I've often said, quoting St. Irenaeus, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. God is not in competition with us, but God wants us alive, using all of our powers and all of our skills of mind and will and imagination. There is a very legitimate exercise of power. Power is legitimate when it is tied to the will and purposes of God. And that was the state in paradise before sin. Human beings exercising their power, their skill, their gifts, but in connection with the commands of God. Christians, when did it all go wrong? It all went wrong the moment when Adam and Eve said, Now we, our minds, our wills, we become the criterion of our power. How do we exercise power? The way we want to. Why do we exercise it? For our purposes. When they listened to the serpent, when they took the fruit of that tree, what they were saying was, the ultimate referent point of my life is no longer God and God's purposes, but now me and my purposes. At that moment, their egos became like black holes, Do you know what I'm saying? A black hole that draws everything into itself and lets nothing out. Now they began to say, the whole world exists for me. You exist for me and to satisfy my desires and my purposes. In St. Augustine's brilliant definition of sin, which I've quoted to you before, they became curvatus in se, caved in on themselves, again, like a black hole. Now, listen to what happened. In that moment, I think, love and power were separated. Love and power were separated. What's love? Well, love is willing the good of another. In sin, we never say, I will the good of another. We say, I will my good. And if you get involved, it's to satisfy me. 
power, power is now defined as my dominion over you and my dominion over the world. The last thing the powerful person wants is to succumb to love. Love means giving up power. It means, it means focusing on the other. The face of sin is the separation of love and power. Where can you see it? In the 19th century, Friedrich Nietzsche, one of the most influential philosophers of that period, said the basic truth of reality is the play of power. The will to power. Me against you, us against them. He saw it in nature, he saw it in institutions, he saw it in individuals. The play of power, the struggle of power. What's the last thing the powerful person should succumb to? Love. In fact, Nietzsche saw clearly that Christianity was the great enemy. Any religion that preached nonviolence, turning the other cheek, love of enemies, forget it. That means you surrender power. That's what began at Eden. You see it too in the 20th century. And probably the best-known philosopher of the 20th century, Jean-Paul Sartre, the founder of existentialism. He defined existentialism as the precedence of existence over essence. It's a fancy way of saying, who I am, I decide. What I am, that's a result of my freedom. Power and love are separate. Of course, Sartre himself said in a famous line, hell is other people. Christians, that's exactly what happens when we succumb to sin. Hell becomes other people because they're a threat to my power. Now, what's the solution? There's only one, and it's proclaimed by the Christian church. The only solution is the magnificent revelation that love and power coincide. Let me say that again. It contradicts everything that we've come to believe in the sinful world. Love and power coincide. How do we know this? Because in Jesus Christ, God who is nothing but power, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty. This is the power that makes the whole cosmos. This power becomes incarnate as love. As a little tiny child, not even strong enough to lift his own head. As someone who gives himself away, seeking out the poor and the lost, curing the sick, raising the dead. One who finally, listen now, poured out his whole life on the cross in love for the sinful world, forgiving those who put him to death. What do we see? Love and power are not enemies. In fact, love and power coincide. They are the same thing. Calling Christ king is a joke within the confines of the sinful world. Yes, that's true. He's a king, this helpless criminal on a cross. He's anything but a king. But in terms of the transformed world, in terms of the deepest truth, it's not a joke. Real kingly power, the power that makes the universe, looks like self-emptying love. You know, Christians, in some ways, that's the whole message of Christianity. Everything else is 
a commentary. Oh, nice thoughts, you might be saying. Nice abstractions. Mm, I don't know. Haven't we seen it? Even in the last century, Martin Luther King transformed all of American society. Turned and uprooted institutions. Set aside obstacles that have been in place for centuries. How? Through the power of love. Not violence, not guns, not angry rhetoric, but through the power of love. As I've often said, John Paul II faced down what I knew as a kid as the evil empire. This mighty empire backed up by tanks and guns and nuclear weapons. How did he face it down? He faced it down precisely with the power of love. If we give it a chance, we realize this is the dynamite of the church. This is the power of the church. This is what we celebrate on the feast of Christ the King. It's a joke in the sinful world. In the real world of God's grace, it's the deepest truth. Friends, can I take just a, a minute or so to make a little pitch here? Thank you. Thanks so many of you for the letters you've sent me, for the calls and for the emails. If I can't respond to all of them, I, I apologize for that. I very much appreciate them, and it means a lot to me, and I'm glad to know the word has gotten out. Also, as I mentioned, now it's been several months, I think, but we're at a point where we have to make a decision about next year in terms of uh, keeping the show on WGN. So we need some financial help. If you're willing to help, please send me a check made out to Word on Fire. Send it to me, Father Robert Barron, at Mundelein Seminary, Mundelein, Illinois, 60060. That's simply Mundelein Seminary, Mundelein, Illinois, 60060. And I hope we can stay on for next year, and I do need your help. Just a last word. Many of you have already done this, but... Uh, uh, we have a website, wordonfire.org. So check that out, and you can listen to the uh, sermons from the past year. Again, thanks for all your help and your support, and God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the Word on Fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.